This is a podcast by One Life Christian Church in Baldwin, New York. We pray that the following podcast would encourage you, build you up in the gospel, and lead you closer to Jesus. We remind you that these are simply tools to help you in your walk and ask that you still look for a local church to attend and serve in. Welcome to the living room. Turn with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. And while you look for that, and if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the, under the seat in front of you. You're welcome to grab that. And if you do not have a Bible at home, we invite you to take that one, write your name in it right now in one of those fancy pens, and take that Bible with you, our treat. You don't have to steal it. We can just give it to you. And if you're in the back and you need a Bible, would you just raise your hand? And in the back right corner of the room, there is a little bookcase with Bibles. You're welcome to take one of those as well. It's a pleasure to invite you into this word of the Lord. But before we read, before we read, two two things I want to remind us of. First, that we would be reverent in our hearts to the presence of the Lord and his word. And also that we would try to sit in our seats for as long as we're able to share the word today. Amen. Let's pray. Dearest Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness, Lord, over this house. Father, even in our wretchedness, you chose to die for us. You chose to send us your son. And Jesus, you volunteered your life, as John tells us, that you volunteered it. They didn't take it from you. But it was because of us and the sin that we accumulated, Lord, in our hearts. And we continue, Father, that you needed to die to pay that ultimate price. But thank you that while you did it, Lord, you also looked to us and called us friends. You didn't keep us distant. You kept us close. And although many of us keep you far away, you still long for us to be near to you. Jesus, as we engage in your word today, I pray that every heart that has come into this house hardened hearts of stone that they would turn to hearts of flesh that blood would run through their veins once more that they would be engulfed inundated in your spirit and holy spirit that you would transform at least one more life today thank you jesus for your word and may this word hit like a ton of bricks We ask this of you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Some of you I may never see again. I know who I am. I know how I preach. I may never see you again. So today you have the privilege to listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to run straight to the cross. You're going to know why today we come here. And it's not just because you can wear your pastel colors, which of course even I did. Praise the Lord for Vineyard Vines, who also carries pink. But I think God allows for things like these, days like these to happen, so that there would be one more life that would come to the cross. Maybe you ask yourself, if you've never been here, why is it called One Life Christian Church? When I first got here, which was August of 2021, I haven't been here that long. I, the, the pastor before me, I went to him, I said, Pastor Scott, I, I just, I don't, I don't love the name of the church. I got to be honest with you. 
I know it hurts. Hold on, I'll get there. I said, I don't love the name of the church. Can you explain to me what the heart of one life is? One life. When I hear one life, it's like, okay, don't live two lives, live one life, right? That's, that's ideal. And his response was, well, our mission is one more life, one more life touched, transformed, and sent by the God of grace. And I said, I'm sold. The only reason I exist, I, Isaac Badaraco, exist, is to find one more life at least for Jesus Christ. Amen. It is the greatest value of my life. It's not to be a dad. It's not to be just a pastor. It's not just to be a person on this earth. And the same thing should be for you, friends. That the greatest value of your life would be to serve a risen king. Now believe it in your heart. Say your amens and now believe it in your heart. You cannot, you cannot make yourself even breathe one more time. You do not belong to yourself. You belong to God. And even when you choose to close your eyes and turn away because you feel shame, you belong to God. He gave you another day of life. And how ungrateful are we that we deny him every single day. Palm Sunday, they welcomed him in triumph. And by Friday, they helped to kill him. You are no different. You choose to kill him in your heart every day. Every day. But I'm going to take advantage of you being here today. And one more time, we're going to shoot for one more life. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. Listen, making peace by the blood of his cross. The message today is titled, The Supremacy of Christ. Or, in your Bible it might say, The Preeminence of Jesus. And this is the objective for, today, for today's sermon the objective is that in your hearts, you would recognize that Jesus is the greatest. He is supreme. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and his victory over death, period. We celebrate his victory over death, period. I'm glad you get to go home and you get to eat roast. I'm glad you get to go home and you get to eat some baked chicken. But we came today to worship the resurrection of a king, period. 
I pray that those of you who are here for the first time would leave here with a chance to make right your decision to really follow Jesus. Not just to know he existed. A lot of people believe he existed. He's part of history. He's not just something we fabled up. It's not just to think that he is important. We know that already. But to have faith in his supremacy and believe that he is the son of God. We've talked about what the situation of man was and is in week one, which was the situation of man, which is what? We're guilty of sin and we're destined to death. Why? Because the wages of sin are death. Somebody had to die for what we've done. And it was Jesus, John tells us that he volunteered his life. Many people take the poise or the position of the killing of Jesus. But he says, wait, they didn't take my life. I laid it down for my friends. Here we read a letter from a man named Paul, an apostle of Jesus who was tasked with spreading the good news of Jesus beyond just the Jews. And while Paul was under house arrest, he received word that in this city named Colossae, there are those, or there were those, who were attempting to once again damage the name of Jesus. And friends, this still exists today. People who are in the church who desire to denigrate the name of Jesus. And usually for their own personal gain. These people were in the church. And they were false teachers. They were teaching that Jesus was a good start. But there was much more needed from them and trying to bring people back to the laws and behaviors as qualifying before God. And if you're from this house, you know that Jesus' ministry when he was in the flesh was specifically for the Jew. It wasn't for the Gentile yet. It was specifically for the Jew, his chosen people, who he had great and still does great love for. But it was Paul on that Damascus road who he asked to focus specifically on the Gentile when he sent him out and said, go and make disciples, not just of the Jew, but of all the world. And that's why today we have the privilege of being able to sit here and listen to the beauty of God's word. So Paul wrote this epistle, which is also translated, translated into letter, to the people in the Colossians or Colossae. And Matthew Henry, a theologian, he writes, the Colossians are cautioned against the devices of Judaizing teachers and also against the notions of carnal wisdom and human inventions and traditions, that's key for a day like today, as not consistent with full reliance on Christ. Jesus is supreme. He is all sufficient. Isaac, what does that mean? Everything you need is found in Jesus. You can make up your own behaviors of what you think a Christian should look like, act like, be like, talk like. But the truth is that the only thing a Christian needs is Christ. He is in himself and all by himself, sufficient. He is supreme. 
for those of you who feel weak in Jesus, for those of you who feel that you are not good enough, he is everything that you need. He's everything you need. You don't need to be perfect. Some of you have behaviors that you have been unable to break for generations. He is all you need. There are some of us who come into this house with shame. And maybe you just don't know Jesus. But he is all you need. If you come here because you think Isaac preaches well or because the music is good, I'll tell you what. Someday we will disappoint you. But Jesus is still supreme. You may have gone to churches and said, you know what, I don't like being here. I don't like the walls. I don't like the color. I don't like those sconces. Why are they so yellow? But these are white. Why are those brighter? We have a thousand reasons not to want to be in the house of the Lord if our hearts don't desire to be close to them. It's almost as if something inside of us is longing to find a reason to be far away. Why? Because Jesus is supreme. In short, Paul, Paul's message to this people, to this group is, Jesus is not just supreme. He's enough. He's enough. He doesn't need our help. He is enough. In verse 15 of chapter 1 of Colossians, he starts by saying, He is the image of the invisible God. So first, He is Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. God is, friends, in case you didn't know, God is invisible. You cannot see him. And in scripture, we might see him in theophany, which means that we might see him in a burning bush. We might see him in a column of fire, but God himself doesn't have a face like you and I. When the Bible teaches us in chapter 1 of Genesis that he made man in his own image, it's not that God looks like a man or a woman. He made us to be holy like he is holy. He made us to be righteous like he is righteous. But Jesus is the visible image of an invisible God. God tells Moses in Exodus, if you remember chapter 33 verse 20, he says, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see my face or shall see me and live. Which means what? If we were ever to gaze upon the glory of God in our wretchedness, there would be no choice but for us to die. And if you remember before Jesus, the Holy of Holies was kept behind a thick curtain in the temple, protected, and you had to be qualified in order to step into the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, which housed the presence of God. And if you were unqualified, you would immediately lose your life. But here comes Jesus, where all of a sudden there is no rope and no curtain keeping us from the presence of God. And we don't have to be consumed by fire because of what he did on that Good Friday. But we talked about what he did on the Good Friday. We know that he died. Today we're talking about why he had to be raised again. But remember that Jesus is God-man and God-made flesh. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. It says, he is the radiance of the glory. Again, that he is Jesus. 
He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, which is the death on the cross on Good Friday, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, God's exact nature. I talked about the image of God and the image of man, how he made us in his own image. But we could never be essentially everything that God is because he is actually good. I was going to set you up and ask you, how many people in this room think they're good? And some of you are going to raise your hands. I'm not going to do it to you because I love you. (laughs) But the truth is, Right here and in the back, not one of us is good. All have fallen. All have fallen. Even me, standing up here proclaiming the word and good news of Jesus, we have all fallen short of the goodness of God. You got it. I see you. We've all fallen short. I don't care how many people you help cross the street. I don't care how many bags of sweaters you've donated. We have all fallen short. And I'm glad you can smile about that. Because it's our freedom. Because we are so wretched, we're so grateful that he is enough. He is supreme. He is everything that we need. But Jesus, (coughs) sorry. Jesus, somebody give me some water, I'm sorry. John chapter 14, verse 8 to 11. If you'll turn with me or read it up here, it says, verse 8 says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. Thank you. And it is enough for us. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Let me give you a preface to this quickly. In the upper room, Jesus is sitting with his friends, right? We know that to be the Passover dinner, the Last Supper. And when he's sitting there, it's Philip who looks at the teacher and he says, okay, verse, verse 8. Philip says to Jesus, he says, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Has that been any of us before? Where you're just like, God, if you would just show me your face, it would be so much easier for me to believe in you. It was, if you would just touch me, then it would be easy. Like all of this stuff that I read or that people talk about, well, usually the issue is that we don't read this, but that we hear other people believe and talk about, I want to believe it for myself, but I can't believe it if I cannot see it. Well, then friends, there is no faith. Faith is not seeing and believing. Faith is not seeing and yet believing. So Philip says, Lord, teacher, show us the Father. You keep talking about the Father. Show us the Father, and then it's enough. He uses the word enough. And then it's enough for us. And what does Jesus respond? Because Jesus, if he was from around here, he'd be from Hempstead. (laughs) Or, Or Uniondale. Or parts of Freeport. Or I guess parts of Baldwin now, too. But Jesus says to him, he says, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me? Can you imagine? They got to see Jesus and walk with Jesus. They got to see his mighty works and dare to come to him and say, 
Well, we've seen you do all these incredible things, but show us the Father, and then we believe. Have you ever noticed that we do the same thing? We keep moving the marker. Lord, if you would just save me this one time, I pray. You liar. You lied. Lord, this time, if you help me pay my bills, I pray. You lied. And we've all been there, right? Because that was the marker. And once we got to that marker, it was like, Lord, if you would just pay all my bills, I promise you lied that time too. Faith is when he does nothing more for you and you still say, Jesus, you are enough. I don't know who told, told you or told us or taught us that Jesus' sufficiency meant that nothing would ever happen to you. Because that's wrong. I remind you that Jesus died on a cross. And he says, I am the Father. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. Do you not believe that I am the Father and that, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, even though he had authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. This is something that I can't say. I can tell you to believe in Jesus and believe that God is Jesus, that Jesus is God, that Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God himself in you. But Jesus was able to say, well, if you can't believe that the Father is in me and I in the Father, at least believe the works. They had that. And we don't have it in the same way, although we still see the work of God. Friends, the fact that you are sitting in this room is the work of God. In verse 16 of Colossians chapter 1, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. This talks about that creation supremacy of Jesus. Verse 15 explains verse 16. I'm sorry, 16 explains verse 15. That Jesus has created all things. Jesus stacked up the mountains and dug out every sea. He placed each star in the heavens where they belonged, each planet on its proper axis. Jesus is the beginning. In verse 17, it says, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is before all things. That's the supremacy of Jesus over time. Jesus wasn't just born one day to his mother. Jesus existed. Jesus was already seated on the throne. He came down to sacrifice himself and be made flesh so that he would bleed the blood that was necessary for you and I. Jesus existed before time, before the universe was created. He is before all things were created. It is because of him that all things are held together, which is the B side of verse 17. Because of him... That the stars don't fall from the sky. Because of him is why in the universe there is calm and not chaos. Because of him that the earth sits right where it needs to. Not too far where we freeze from the sun and not too close for us to burn. 
Because of him, the seasons of the year exist. Because of him, the sun lights our days and the moon our nights. And the same for you, friends. It is because of him that you get to breathe. It is because of him that you get to be here today and that I get to be here with you. It is because of him that we have purpose. Some of you are in this room right now or watching online or watching us in the back and you have no idea where you are in life. You feel lost. But sometimes God uses perdition so that you would find him. You want to know who you are? Find Jesus. And I say find Jesus loosely because he never got lost. You did. This is one of the cases where the sheep finds the shepherd. He's been where he's been for all of time as supreme. John chapter 8 verse 58 says, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Why is that important? Because Abraham is a forefather of our faith. Abraham is close to the beginning in comparison to where we are. And he says to his students, the disciples, he says, before Abraham was, I am. Not I was, because that marks an end. He says, I am in the present. Verse 19 and 20 of Colossians chapter 1, if we go back to the original text, it says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 tells us that, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. God, Father, exalts Jesus to the highest place. And there might be some tension here. Because in our inability to understand the trinity of God, we continue to put God as supreme over Jesus or Holy Spirit as sub over Jesus and God. But remember, one in the same. God, Paul writes to the Philippians, exalts Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Can we see through scripture? I know I'm using a lot of scripture here, but it's for a reason. Because I don't have the wisdom, friends, to prove to you that Jesus is God, but this does. Maybe there's somebody in the room today who thinks that this book is made up by a bunch of hypocritical men who just had some wisdom. That might be you. Yeah, but it's a book. Okay, that's fair. Let me proclaim to you, brother, and we can talk about this more, man. First of all, thank you so much for being here. I love you in a way that is an honor to do so, man. And as the pastor of this church, brother, I will tell you this. God has called me to stand in his word, and he has the wisdoms that I could never have. So at One Life, we do stand on the truth of the gospel, which is his word here. And we believe that Jesus was also and is the word. 
and we believe what he says. But again, man, I would love to engage in that conversation with you. But we do see again in verses 19 and 20 that by making peace by the blood of his cross, which signifies again his death on that cross for us. Many of us sit in rooms like these, in spaces like these, on days like these, and perhaps just chalk it up to religion. And I guess thank you for bringing me into that point, brother, because the truth is that we, many of us, haven't yet been convinced about the power of God. And that's why today I felt the pressure to know, the pressure to share with you the importance of establishing the supremacy of Jesus. And this is my freedom, and I said this earlier in the first service. My job is not to stand up here and convince us. I'm a salesman at work. I'm not a salesman of his gospel. I have to stand for something. And you stand for something also. What you stand for, are you willing to fight for? What you stand for, are you willing to die for? Because what weight is there to believe in something that we won't die for? And I remind you that every single one of the disciples of Jesus Christ died. The apostles, they died. No one called them into just being all dilly-dally with Jesus. So when we consider all the religions that point to Jesus, in Islam, it points to Jesus as the Messiah, as a second coming, as a prophet. Yes, he was, but he wasn't just a prophet. In Buddhism... It looks to Jesus as one of the Buddhas. I don't know if you guys know this. It points to Jesus as one of the Buddhas. In other religions, it points to Christ or Jesus as Christ conscious, which is the Savior. That something needs saving and there is Christ consciousness in Jesus. But it's only Jesus who says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Everything else points out to Jesus. Jesus points out to no one else. He says, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. You can choose not to believe today, but you don't have life if you don't have it in Jesus. I don't lose anything if you say no. You gain everything if you say yes. I'm grateful for days like these today. I would consider myself a defender of our faith like we see in the book of Jude. And when people say they're Christians, I always wonder, what do they think makes them a Christian? And the truth is, it's very simple. We said this a couple of weeks ago. That we would declare with our mouths that he is king, that he is Lord, that he is Savior, and that we are saved. No one is asking you to qualify yourself. No one is asking you, even right now, to change your life. Friends, you've tried. You can't do it, but he can. The supremacy of Jesus is what we celebrate today. So again, I'll end here. Why did Jesus have to be raised? Because he's God. If you're someone who sits in the room in doubt, may the Lord have mercy on our souls. He had to be risen because he is God, because he is supreme, because a tomb could not contain him and death could not defeat him. 
He is risen. And that's what we celebrate today. If you're someone who shares today that you are a believer in Jesus, would you find pride in that today? A godly, deep in your heart pride. And would you be willing to lay your life down for the cross? But here's the other invitation. Just as Jesus laid his life down on the cross, I invite you to lay your life down in sacrifice on your own cross. Remember that in the Gospels, we're invited to carry our own crosses. And what do you carry crosses for? It's not for a workout. It's for you to lay your life down on that cross. And how difficult is it for us to do that? In old medieval paintings, friends, the imagery of Jesus on a cross wasn't a cross laying on the floor like we've seen in the movies with people nailing him to the cross. It was Jesus climbing up a ladder to hang himself on the cross. Consider that. He said, they did not take my life. I gave it up. It, it, does that change it a little bit? Because we like to look at victim Jesus. But he is a savior Jesus. He is the deliverer. Volunteered himself for you and for me. And did we deserve it? We did it. And we still don't. And I'll end here. Mark chapter 16, verses 8, verses 1 through 8. I just want to read you the story of what happened on that day. When the Sabbath was passed, that was Saturday, Holy Saturday, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. Him was Jesus in the tomb. And very early on the first day of the week, which is Resurrection Sunday, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb... And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You see Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. risen he's not here see the place where they laid him but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee there you will see him just as he told you and they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and a stuck can you imagine he's not here He's gone, he's risen, he's back on his throne. And they were so startled. They were trembling and astonished. 
They said nothing to anyone as they ran back to be with the other disciples and they were afraid. The Jesus who is so supreme who we serve is so supreme that when we are in his presence, there should be trembling in our bones. Do you see that when you call yourself a believer in Jesus, there should be trembling in your bones? And may we die proclaiming that he is the king, that he is risen. Close your eyes. I pray that the day I die, I pray that I die proclaiming the name of Jesus. I cry not because something is wrong. I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful. And that in his power, there's nothing else that I need to do. He's done it all. He said on the cross, he said, it is finished. I'm everything. I'm everything that you need. So I ask you the question that I asked earlier. And I'm not going to try to convince you out of it. But right now, with simply the word of God, what do you choose? Do you choose life or do you choose death? If you'd like to make a decision for Jesus today, I invite you just to stand to your feet. I'm not going to ask you to hide. I'm going to ask you to be bold about it. If there's anyone in the room who says, I've tried everything and I cannot do it by myself, I'm not going to pray a sinner's prayer with you. The prayer has to come from your heart. But we will pray with you. But is anyone in this room bold enough to stand and say, I want to serve this king. I want to give him everything in my life. I want to have my heart restored and reconciled. Life is too hard for me to do it without him. I invite you to your feet right now. And if you're standing in the back, would you just stand? You are in the presence of the Father. Would you just stand to your feet? There is a pastor and a leader close to you. Don't, don't delay. You have a choice today. Yes, life or yes, death. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And for the rest of you who are in this room, don't be spectators. Pray right now. Close your eyes and let's go into prayer. If I can have some leaders in the room, just stand close to them. Pray over them. I'm not going to cause a commotion in here. I'm going to pray over you. But as I pray over you, friends, would you just surrender your heart to Jesus? I know you have doubts. I know you do. We've all had them. But I'm asking you to invite him into your doubt. And he can do it if you'll just receive him as supreme. Heavenly Father, for everyone listening to my voice in this moment, for everyone standing in the back, in your presence, Father, it doesn't matter where they are. Perhaps they're at home listening to this word and they're standing and they're saying, Jesus, I can't do this anymore. 
I surrender everything that I am to you. That you would restore me. Jesus, I pray that to those hearts that are intentionally saying this in their hearts. Jesus, would you redeem them today? Would you be that Passover lamb for them? Would you paint the doorposts of their hearts with your blood? That when death comes, that it would pass over their doors. Instead, that they would find life forever. Jesus, that this not be an emotional response. Instead, that it would be a commitment, a covenant to seek you, to love you, to chase after you, Lord, and everything that you have for us. But to trust you diligently, Father. I pray, Lord, in any spaces, any voids that they might have in their hearts, and I pray this over all the house, any spaces, spaces where we feel insufficient, Father, would you show us your sufficiency? Would you show us your supremacy? And may we leave here today knowing that we walk in the power and the authority of the blood of a risen king. We are royalty because you are royal. We are who we are. We are received the way we're received by the Father because you have justified us. Father, today, receive your children. Walk with them and allow us the opportunity to disciple them into this newness of life. Father, in this moment, I pray for healing over anyone in this house that is troubled in their health. Lord, I don't have the power, but I have the authority by your blood to declare healing over anyone who needs healing. May it be a healed heart. May it be healed blood. May cancer be gone. May long-standing illnesses in bodies, Lord, be gone. Mental illness, gone. Thoughts of suicide, gone that we would know that we belong to you, that our identity is in you. Jesus, today reign supreme in our hearts. We ask this of you in the precious, precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. One Life Christian Church is located in Baldwin, New York. To find out more about the church, visit us at www.onelifeli.com.